Well, first of all, welcome. Glad that you're all here. Um, it is, uh, um, uh, well, to say shocking. Look around. I, I'm a little shocked. I, I recognize that we had a need for singles ministry, but uh, Pastor Terry, I need to give him all the credit and all the props in the world. Pastor Terry was the one who said, John, we need to do something about this. And he said, if you'll just let me lead it, I'll try to put this thing together. And I thought, you know, does he get 50 people? Does he get 40 people? Something like that. And last week you were 150. I would dare to say you're probably 200 tonight. Easy. So you are showing us that there is the need for, um, for obviously something to be done. Now, I've had several people say, so you see that there's a need. What are you going to do? I don't, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, we, we are just now starting to talk about that. Um, but you are really showing us that there is the need for something to be done. It will not be ignored. It will not just be, um, okay, I did my thing and then um, we're done with it. I, I, I'm not exactly what, what we're going to do with it, but we need to do something with it because with such a need inside of our church to ignore it would be foolish on our part. And uh, so maybe, maybe you've got a few ideas of what it could look like. Maybe you could email us, maybe talk to us, maybe throw some thoughts out to us. I'm not sure if we add, do we add another service? What, you know, what exactly do we do? Is, is, it's sort of coming down to one of those questions. What's, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? So that's, that's sort of where we are and what we're talking about. But thank you for showing us. Thank you for proving a point. Thank you for, um, thank you for being here, man. Way to go. It's awesome to look around and to see this. I'm so excited and, and really just, I'm, I'm thrilled to see what I'm seeing. Uh, you should have been, I think, given the notes for tonight. If you've got those, you want to grab them, we'll jump right in. I'm going to treat you. Listen, I don't have a singles message. Didn't bring a singles message. Didn't feel like that's what this was about. Felt like you probably wanted just to be treated like, like if, if I was your pastor and you were my people, preach to us. Yes? Okay. So, uh, I, I, now I will mention something on singles, uh, so I will do that, um, but, but uh, it's just a message that I felt like the Lord gave me. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 19, if you've gone to Jubilee any length of time, you know that I have said in front of people, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 happens to be, if I was going to, to defend, get an argument and defend Christianity, if I was going to be an apologist is what they call that, and defend Christianity, I would pick 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, as, as my place to be an apologist from. I think that Paul writes some of the wisest scripture that he ever wrote. I think he spells the gospel out in a powerful way. Um, the words that this is all from God really strike me. And I'll, I'll read that to you here. But we're going to start 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 19 uh, begins, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Let me just stop and ask this question. Don't you wish it was possible that you could literally leave this place tonight and never regard anyone after their flesh again? Isn't that the hardest thing in the world to do? Because what we see is flesh. What we deal with is flesh. What we end up having to put up with is people's flesh. And wouldn't it be great if we literally could do what Paul does? From this point on, we don't know anybody after the flesh. We only know them after who they are in the spirit. How good would that be? I'm not arrived yet, but I am trying to work on that right there. Um, my to me every day, I'm not there yet. So therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. 
And then this, this verse right here uh, picks up everything for me. It's verse 17 where it starts the next, therefore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I love that part of the scripture. I don't know about you, but I need that every day in my life. I need to know that yesterday was yesterday. It's past. Today's a new day. God's not counting yesterday against me. God's mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad for that right there? So we all need it. It puts us all in the same boat. I love that fact right there, that everything is new in him. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old is past. The new has come. Okay, behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. This is not man's idea. This is not a bunch of Christians' ideas who got together and decided to write out some nice scripture. This is God's idea. This is how God sees us. This is how God views us. This is how God thinks about us. God, yesterday is the past. Today is the day that matters. Today's the day that matters. You know, my, my, my cliche, it's mine. I didn't rip it off. I didn't steal it. It didn't come from a book. You've, you've all heard me say it. The power of the gospel does not change the past. What does it do? It changes your future. And that's exactly what God is saying right here. Behold, it's all from God and it's all new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then Paul explains what reconciliation is. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word or the ministry. Some of the, the translations will say he has given us the word or the ministry of reconciliation. So our job, it's our job above everything else. Our job is not to point out people's sin. Our job is not to point out people, people's fault. And I know some people think that that's like the 13th spiritual gift, that I'm really good at spotting people's sin in their life. I can, I can see it a mile away. And in fact, not only can I spot it, but I'm really good at telling them about the sin that's in their life. That, can I just say to you, that is not a spiritual gift. It's a curse, man. Do not become good at spotting other people's sin. Because here's the problem. You got sin in your life. You got your own stuff to deal with. How, how, how did the apostle say it? Uh, uh, Jesus said it. Until you deal with the board in your eye, don't mess with the splinter in your friend's eye. What a way to look at it, right? And so, so here Paul is writing, all of this is from God. God gives us the ministry of reconciliation, whereby our whole job, here's our whole job. We want to persuade the world God is not mad at them. God is not upset with them. God is not judging them. God has already judged them. And here's how he judged them. He took all of their sin, according to the book of Colossians, he nailed it to the cross of Christ. And when Jesus died and rose again, all of our sin was taken away. Thank you, five people. I'm going to say it one more time. Just come on. All of our sin was taken away. So never again. Jesus never has to come back again and die. Jesus never has to make a sacrifice for our sin. We don't know anybody after the flesh for this reason. All of the flesh was nailed to the cross. Now, we may be living out those things in our lives. We may be becoming more like Jesus. No one changes in a day. We change daily. No one's arrived yet. No one's fully there yet. 
No one's all the way, hey, look, man, I, I've, I've matured into the full model of Jesus. If you feel that way, let us take you outside and kill you. You, you, are, not, you, you are not Jesus yet, but we want to become Jesus. And so our ministry, really, if, if, if believers got their ministry, Josh, here it is. It's to convince people God is not mad at them. God wants to be in relationship with them. That is our ministry. That's the ministry of reconciliation. Paul says we do whatever it takes to persuade people that God wants to be in relationship with them, that he loves them, that he, that he cares for them. So I put in your notes, let me, let me just test you and see if you pick up and understand this scripture. All right, if the Bible says that God is um, reconciling us, so reconcile, remember, you're going to spell it out, R-E, re. So re is to go back and do something for a second time. Agreed? We, we are reconciled. All right. When was the last time we were reconciled to God? Jesus came to reconcile us, to bring us back to God. When was the last time we were with God? Garden of Eden, Right? That, that was it. So Jesus' original intention or God's original intention for Jesus' death is to bring us back to the place of the original intent of creation, which was in the garden, man had this wonderful relationship with God. Every day in the cool of the day, God would come and just hang out with the man. Have you ever had that, 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 that prayer, that thought, God, I wish you'd just show up and tell me what to do. You ever prayed that? Uh, if you were here right now, God, I need you so much right now. Tell me what to do with this person. Tell me what to do with this job. Tell me what to do with this money. Tell me what to do in this situation. Why don't you just show up here and talk to me? That's what they had. Every day, God would come in the cool of the day, and he would walk with the man and the woman. Now, the word walk there in Genesis is a really interesting word because it means to walk without going anyplace. So he would just walk around with them. Wherever they wanted to go, he wanted to go. He let them choose where they went. How cool is that? God without an agenda. God would show up without anything in mind other than I want to hang out with what I created. All right, what is Jesus doing? He is reconciling us back to what? The very relationship that we had with God in the beginning. That God without an agenda, he just wants to hang out with you. He just wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Your life is found in knowing him. And his delight is found in knowing you. Did you get the difference between that? Your life is found in knowing him. His delight is found in knowing you. God doesn't get life from you. But he gets delight in knowing you. That's why he created you. To know you. To talk to you. You, you have, yeah, let, me, let me do it this way. How many of you have children? Many of you. Okay, you'll know this to be true. Yes or no? The moment that child comes out of your body, here's the decision that's been made forever and ever. Your heart now walks outside of your body no matter where you go. All right, I want you to picture God. We come from where? God. We come from inside of him. We are created in his image, stamped and molded after him. God experiences the same thing that a parent on this earth experiences, that when his creation is outside of him, forever you have his heart. 
forever, man. He loves you. And he, he is trying to get your attention over and over and over again to tell you how much he loves you and how much he cares about you and how much he wants to hang out with you. So you say, well, what, what does God want when he wants to hang out with me? He wants to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> it might put a little meaning till tomorrow. Like, well, but so, so God is interested in doing whatever I want to do? Yes, because it's you. I've got a friend named Dan Bauman. He's a missionary. He comes here once in a while to speak. The very first time that ever dawned on him, Dan was in the woods throwing rocks. And he felt the Holy Spirit sort of nudge up next to him, he said. And he just said, what are you, what are you doing, God? And God just told him, I just want to hang out with you, Dan. And Dan said, well, I just want to throw rocks, God. And God said, I want to throw rocks with you, Dan. I want to throw rocks. That's okay. Thank you for being alive. I'm, I'm really counting on there being alive people here tonight. Hey, can I shed my jacket? Can I? I need to. I need some. You know what I say? They cover a multitude of sin, but this is, this is, <laughs> this, let's have fun. So God, God is interested in whatever you do, that's what God wants to do. He wants to hang out with you. He wants to get to know you. It, it is in reconciliation. The work of Jesus is to bring us back to the place where God originally, his original intent for creation is that we know him and he knows us. That's God's purpose. More than anything else, that's what God wants to do with you. So I, I, I just threw down, you guessed it, it was in the garden. God's thought is we belong in relationship with him first. If I were going to give this any title, if I was going to say, hey, put it in one sentence what you're trying to say, that's what I'm trying to say. We belong to him first. Before your job, before your children, before your friends, before anything else, you belong to God first. First and foremost, you're his. Now, if that's true and you can agree with that, let me just give you quickly four things that I think maybe this will help you in your walk. Maybe it'll help you grow a little bit. Maybe it'll help you just understand God a little bit more. The first one is this. Our first priority is relationship with God. It comes in front of every, It comes in front of how you make your money. It comes in front of, I don't care how little your kids are right now. Yes, you have a grave responsibility to your children, but I'm telling you, your relationship with God comes before your children. And we make idols out of our children when we put them in front of God. Okay, now you saw Lockjaw here. So coming over here to this side, and I want you guys to act spiritual. I don't care how little your children are. I don't care what their needs are. We can make idols out of our children when we put them in front of God. Did you see how they responded? To, did, you, did, you, did you see? Because, look, this is only going to go one way tonight. It's going to go the way that I want it to go. And I want you to agree with me, and I want you to say amen, and I want you to get this. So, so number one, our first priority is relationship with God. Genesis 3 Verse 8, the first part says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know what the sound is that they heard. The Bible doesn't tell us. What does this sound like when God shows up? Is it crunching on leaves? Boom, 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 boom. Um, there's a scripture in Genesis chapter 1. And it says that the Spirit of God hovered. It uses the word hover hovered over the face of the earth. And if you're a studier of the word, go home and look it up. It means 
he hummed. God hummed. I don't know if he sang a song and out of the song came the beauty of the earth. I don't know if he had his favorite tune where he just, he just hummed it. But the Bible says he hovered over it and the word literally means to hum. He hummed over the earth. I want to give you a picture. The day you were born, God was humming over your life. You matter so much to him. Listen, God picked your personality. You think it was genetics? You think it was your mom and dad? You think it was your circumstance or your situation? God knows the color of your hair and the very number of hair on your head or lack thereof. God knows. <laughs> Had to throw that in. I see a few people out there who are like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the, God knows your personality. God chose you. It, it, it's like if you, I, I don't know what your closet at home looks like. Mine tends to, um, to uh, here's what I do. Every six months I go through my closet, and if I haven't worn something in six months, out it goes. Anybody else do that? My wife won't do it either. So I'm looking at a lot of women who are like, uh-uh. I hang on to that stuff like grim death. Here's, here's, here's. <laughs> You're never going to wear it, but by God in heaven, I've got it just in case. She has a pair of 29 501 Levi's that we wore in high school, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You, who said that? Who's, yeah, you know what? You are, I, I stop right there. I'm done. You are so right. You, you are a woman of wisdom. You're a woman who knew where I was going and what I was going to say. I was going to try to say something very polite and nice. And I just recognized I would have forever, ever ruined myself. I probably wouldn't have had sex for a year. So thank you. For... <laughs> oh, yes, I did. So here we go. <laughs> so they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool. I don't know what the sound sounded like. What, what if? This is just a what if. I can't prove it. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I, all I'm, hypothesis. What if when God showed up, what if he was humming? What if he was just humming a tune and that's how they knew God was there? They could hear him hum. What if, what if God is so happy and so full of life and so full of joy, he's just humming as he makes his way to them. And for the very first time in life, Adam and Eve are used to this. As soon as they hear the sound, they run towards the sound. And for the very first time in life, they hear the sound of the Lord God, and they run from the sound. And God is concerned. So God finds them hiding, and he goes, what's wrong? He says, we're hiding because we're naked. And God asked them a series of questions. Who told you you were naked? You know, whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he lacks the knowledge, right? He's trying to get you to realize what's going on in your life. Most of the time when God talks to us, it's not because God is trying to figure out, hey, where's your heart at? Or let me, let me. He's trying to get us to realize what's happened to us. We were like this and you're, what happened? Why are you running from me? Why are you hiding from me? Why, why are you afraid of me? Can you imagine? Here, here's, here's these two people. The creation of the king of the... I mean, we can't even begin to imagine how awesome God is. 
And yet they're so innocent in their thinking that they're not afraid to run to him. You know what God's trying to restore us back to? That not that we see him as, oh, he's the king of the universe. We just got to bow down and worship. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to run to him and cling to him. God wants you to jump up in his lap. God wants you to grab his hand. God wants you to believe that he's not going to kill you in his presence. He's going to bless you in his presence. God wants you to understand he, he's not about you trying to find out oh, how do I worship you? How do I, how do I know, you know, what do I? God wants you to run to him like a child would run to their mother or father to express the joy in their heart of seeing their parent. It's missing. It's a missing element in church. I call it fig leaf religion. What did Adam and Eve do in order to hide themselves from God? The Bible says they knitted together what? Fig leaves. Here's what we have in religion today. People who put together their version of how to worship God so that they don't have to really be intimate with God. They can get close but not too close. You know what I'm saying? They can be around the presence but not in the presence. I call it fig leaf religion. It allows us to put on our idea of what hides us from God. You know what God wants to do? Strip away the fig leaf religion and get just you. He wants just you. So I don't know what's going on in your life, but here's what I know. God's not embarrassed by you. God's not ashamed of you. God's not turned off by you. God's not separated from you. I heard a guy stand up one time and teach this. If you're a believer and you sin, you separate yourself from God. That's a lie because the Bible says, what shall separate us from the love of God? Right. Nothing is, a, you got the right answer, nothing. No demon in hell, no angel in heaven. You can't run far enough. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. That means even when you blow it, God is with you. That's good news. That's good news, man. So I don't know about you, but I blow it every day. And here's what it means. God's not waiting on the other side of me blowing it to figure it out. God's right there with me to help me get out of the fact that I blew it. Isn't that good? He's not embarrassed. He's not ashamed of you. You don't make God blush. God loves you. And so they heard the sound of the God, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Our first priority is relationship with God. We should be able to hear God pursuing us. Folks, did you hear me? Our job is to be able to hear God pursuing us. I think most of the time we spend our time trying to pursue God. How about this? God's trying to pursue you. Do you know in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, it's the word pagah. You got a pen right down, P-A-G-A, P-A-G-A, pagah. Pagah. What does it mean? It means paths that cross. Steph, paths that cross. Sometimes during the day, um, one of my best friends in the world is Dan DeMay. Sometimes during the day, our paths cross with each other. Here's what the real word means, though, from the Hebrew Scripture. God has designed opportunities that you're going to cross paths with him during the day, and he wants you to recognize him when you do. And many of us say things like this. I never hear from God. I don't feel God. I don't even think God pursues me. You're going to be absolutely shocked and embarrassed when you get to heaven and find out that God, several times a day, tried to get your attention by crossing paths with you. What you need to learn to do is recognize the sound of God's pursuit of your life. 
Did you hear me? Recognize the sound of the pursuit of God coming after you. God loves you, man. He cares for you. He's got a heart for you. Let me, let me just go to the second one real quick. How about this? It's not God's intention that you're lonely. I think the only, the only thing in my message that I would even identify that, that a, a single person can deal with is loneliness. But can I say this to you? You can be married with 15 kids and be lonely. Yes or no? So loneliness is not a single issue. Loneliness is a life issue. Some of the loneliest times in my life have been in crowds of people. People look at me and they mistake my personality all day long. I can get up and I can talk to very large crowds and I can make them feel like it's just me and them in a room. It's a gift that God's given me, but get me one-on-one and I'm a very shy person. The art of conversation eludes me. If you come into a room and I don't know people, guess where I go? Usually to the farthest point away from people and I stand there and I just kind of watch and I hope nobody notices me. I'm a wallflower. It embarrasses me. I, I am so shy, I'm painfully shy. When it, when it comes to when I was a kid trying to talk to girls, I couldn't do it. I could not do it. When it came to making friends, I had a terrible time making friends. I had to wait and rely on the fact that somebody might come my way that maybe I could like, you know, grab. I had a terrible time. God's intention for your life is not loneliness. In fact, Genesis tells us in chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. It's not God's intention that you're a lonely person. If you come here tonight and you're lonely, I want you to know something. Look around the room because there are other people in this room who care for you who don't want you to be lonely either. Maybe you've been praying this prayer, God, I'm so lonely, I want to meet somebody. I want to meet a friend. I want to meet a, a man. I want to meet a woman. I, I, just, I, I want to meet somebody. So what do you call this? <laughs> Could this not be the answer to your prayer? Yeah. Wow, one person. <laughs> the rest of you have looked around, you're like, eh, no, this wasn't it. Uh-uh, nope, <laughs> nope, this wasn't it. Not a chance. Not a freaking chance. Come on, man. Could have very well been the answer that God had for you. Huh? So maybe you need to, you know what? The Bible says if you want a friend, be friendly. Talk to people. Be open to people. Here's one of the best things you can do. Smile. You know what I notice about myself? I walk around like this a lot. My natural face looks like a frown. <laughs> this intimidates people. It's like, you know what people think? He's really busy. I better leave him alone. And what I'm really thinking is, how come nobody will talk to me? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Do I smell? What, what did I do? It's the funniest thing in the world. It's not God's intention that you're lonely. It's not God's intention that anyone's lonely. And in fact, one of the reasons God gave us the church is so that we connect with each other so that we're not lonely. So maybe, maybe the number one thing you're proving to me is that there is a need in our church for people who otherwise may not be able to connect on another level. How do we connect these people so they're not lonely? How do we give them? You know, Terry mentioned last week, look, we're not interested in starting a meat market. 
If you want to go do, what's, what's all those ones on the TV, the, the thing you can join? What are they called? Yeah, on, yeah, but what, is, what, are the, what, are the, what are the famous ones? The Christian single, the... I even saw one for farmers. Have you seen that one? If you're a farmer, you call this line and you meet other farmers. There's what? Black dating. Black dating. So they've got it for everything. That you can date what? So look, this is not a 1-800-FIND-A-DATE. That's not what this is. And if that's what you're looking for, we're probably going down the wrong road. Here's what we're hoping that you're wanting to do. Here's what we're, we're hoping that you want to be a part of a church. That, you, that, that maybe you've got particular, peculiar, interesting needs, and do your pastors get it enough to do something about it? I'm telling you, we're seeing something that we, we never saw it before, and I don't know why. I just don't, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe God's timing was out of it. Maybe that was the biggest thing. Maybe the timing of God just wasn't in it. But I look at it right now, and I'm going, my God, how did we miss this? Because I met with a guy who's planting a church right now. He's 10 months into it, and he doesn't have this many people in his church. He's got 60 people, and he's just hoping to be there next weekend. I look around here, and I'm like, this is a church. Look, this is a church. So what kind of church could it be? Could be a cool church. It could be a cool church. Hey, it could be a church that decides, hey, let's let's do what other people in church aren't doing. Let's minister to the orphan and let's minister to the widow and let's minister to the poor and let's take the gospel to the street and let's reconcile people to Jesus. Would you be interested in things like that? So I mean to really do something? Or is it just about, hey, just give us a message about being single? So I'm not sure that that's to preach one more time on a weekend give me a reason to do it give me a reason to do it okay give me a reason to do it now let me give you the third one real quickly god can bring the person to you that you're looking for how do i know that to be true genesis chapter 2 verse 22 look at this Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. Look at this sentence. And he brought her to the man. It is not outside of the power of God to bring you the person you want. It is not outside of the realm of possibility for God to simply present them to you. Sometimes we think we've got to take that into our hands and make that happen. And God, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to grow old and I don't want to be by myself and I don't want to be lonely and I don't even know if you care about things like this. God cares about things like this. It bothers God if it bothers you. God wants to do what you want to do. And if this is important to you, it's important to God. And here's what I'm telling you. What you should do more than you should do anything else is trust God enough with this area of your life rather than tell God you can have every other area except this area. Did you hear me? Give God this area too. Let him bring to you that person. It matters to, do you not think he knows? Do you not, do you not know that he knows what you like? He knows your favorite color. This is hard for people to swallow with God. 
God knows what you like. He knows your heart. You know what your job is? Just tell God, this is what's in my heart, and I trust you with this, and I trust you to take care of this. Don't go into a panic. Don't go into a place where you're like, I'm going to grab this, and I can do everything. I, I can make this happen. Yet you probably can make it happen. Here's the problem. We create Ishmaels in our life every day. And then, let me, can I just talk to you about an Ishmael for just a moment? Ishmael, if you don't know, Abraham and Sarah were an old couple that God went to and said, I'm going to give you a son. And because God didn't do it in the time frame they thought he should, Sarah told her husband, I want you to sleep with my handmaid, Hagar. So he slept with her handmaid. She got pregnant and had a little boy named Ishmael. Ishmael today is the father of the Arab nation. God said, I will make him a prince. I will make him a great nation. Here's what, here, was, here was the testimony and the prophecy of God. He will be a wild man. Everyone's hand will be against him, and his hand will be against everyone. Do we see that in our world today, yes or no? But then in God's good time, God causes Sarah to get pregnant. And they have a little boy, and Sarah laughed at God when he gave her the promise, so they named the little boy Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Do you remember? Laughter. So every time they called his name, they were calling him the very thing that they doubted. Come here, laughter. Come here, laughter. You make us laugh. Come here. Now, here's the problem. God didn't kill Ishmael. They created Ishmael, and they had to live with Ishmael for the rest of their lives. God created Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. Ishmael was child of the flesh. And they lived with Ishmael for the rest of their lives, and it caused them all sorts of problems with their generations that succeeded them. Now, I want you to listen to me. Whenever we take things into our own hand and we tell God, I can handle it, I know how to do this, we create little Ishmaels. God won't kill your Ishmael. He'll let you live with your Ishmael. Dude, there's not too many things worse in life than living with your Ishmael. Because now you reap every day what you did. Does God still bless you? You bet. You still get Isaac. You still get the promise. But you live with, an, you live with a problem that you didn't need. Does that make sense? So, let me just ask a question. Anybody in this room ever created an Ishmael you wish you hadn't? Did you marry an Ishmael? Okay, never mind, never mind. <laughs> I even cracked myself up. I love it. <laughs> Have this great spiritual truth and then ruin it with that right there. All right, so let me give you the fourth thing and the last thing. Your job. Your job, everyone in this room, don't, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, male, female, newly single, uh, you single for a long time, whatever, your job, here's your job, is to be whole to God first before you're whole to any other person. You cannot offer to a person what they need. You heard me teach this how many times? Unless you get it right this way. You can't ever get it right this way. 
So unless you become whole to God this way, while you are a single person, you can never offer to any other man or woman a whole heart. You offer them a fragmented heart or a heart that is broken in pieces or a heart that's been hurt or wounded or that is dealing with all sorts of things and then they're drug into it too. You get hold this way so that God can then bring to you the person this way. Maybe that's the thing holding back God bringing you the present that he has for you. Did you ever think about that? Maybe God's like, I'm ready. How come you're not ready? We're all growing old up here, waiting on you. Do something about it. Whole heart this way. Give yourself, look at me, whether God ever decided to act on anything else I taught, this one thing would be true. If you get whole this way, Everything in your life will work out the way it's supposed to this way. I promise you. You'll never look and regret. You'll never go, Pastor John, you were wrong, and I should have never wasted my time trying to get hold with God. Here's what you'll do. It was the best time of my life. I met God. I knew God. God met my needs. God showed up in my life. God was in my prayer life. God was in my prayer closet. God was in my car. God met me everywhere I was. God promoted me. God blessed me. God protected me. God watched over me. God, God did everything I needed him to do because you gave yourself to him first. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But here's what we do. Give me the desires of my heart and then I'll delight myself in you and you'll never get a promise that way. You never get a promise that way. It, it does not work that way. And God is God, and as much as he loves you, he doesn't change his word to suit your needs. You change your ways to suit his character. Does that make sense? All right, so if I was going to close then tonight with any one thing that I had to say, I would close with that right there. Where are you at with God? Just be honest with me right now. Where are you at with God? You disappointed? You thrilled? You away? You close? Full of the Holy Spirit or lacking? Desperate to find someone or desperate to pursue God? Where are you at with God? Folks, it's a legitimate question, and I'm pastor. I get to ask it. It's my job to ask it. You know, the one thing that I go through that no one else in this room goes through, I get judged double hard at the judgment. I get, I get judged twice. Did you know that? I go through the first time as a man and the second time as a pastor. I hope so. I hope so. But you know what he'll ask me? Did you hold back on anything? Did you fear man more than you feared me? Did you tell the truth when I asked you to tell the truth? Did you stand up there and represent me well, John? And so right now I stand up here to represent. It doesn't matter if you like me or not. I want you to like me, but if you don't, that's not the question. How are you with God? How's your relationship with God going? Are you where you should be? Are you pursuing him passionately? Is he, is he the cause of your life? Is he the thing that you're living for? Or is he just another thing in your life? It's a legitimate question.
All right, so I bring us to a holy moment. It gets very quiet, doesn't it? So you know me. I'm, I'm not into embarrassing anybody. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to parade you around. I'm not going to use you. I, I, have no, I have no desire to do that, but I do want to pray for you. So if you bow your heads for a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to you about this, here's the thing. God, God would come to you even in this moment. You remember when I talked about the Pagah, the crossing of paths a moment ago? This is one of those times when God is trying to cross paths with you. He's trying to get your attention right now. He's trying to get you to recognize and realize that he's here and that he's speaking to you and that he's trying to draw you. And as much as God desires to interact with you, he gives you free choice. You can walk right by. You can ignore him. You can blow him off. You can say, God, later. God's not insecure where he's going to grab you and shake you and say, don't you realize who I am? Here's what God's going to do. He's going to look for another opportunity to try to get your attention, but I'm going to ask you this question. Why would you wait one more day? Why would you wait one more minute? Why would you wait one more second? Where are you at with God? See, if you're just here tonight and you just go, hey, pastor, I just want you to pray for me real quickly because I recognize I'm not where I am supposed to be. God's not the priority of my life. God's a priority, but he's not the priority. And I want to make him the priority of my life. I want to make that decision tonight. I want God to be first in everything. I recognize that it is a journey. I recognize I'm not going to get it all tonight. I recognize that there's many things to learn. I recognize there's things that need to change in me. All those things are true. But I'm just asking you the question. How many of you tonight want to say, it's not true that God's the priority of my life, but after tonight, I want to make him the priority of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Just pray for me. Sure. It's many of us. It's many of us. It's many of us. You can put your hands back down. So I'm going to pray then for you right now. Here's what I'm going to pray. I want you to listen to my prayer. Let this be the prayer of your heart. If you'll open your heart and with sincerity say, that's my prayer right there. God will hear you. God will pay attention and God will draw close to you. So for every man and woman right now, this is your prayer. Open your heart. For every man and woman right now who has the courage to say, I need God to be number one. I need God to be the very issue that I take a breath from. I need God to be the reason that I get out of bed in the morning. I need God to be the reason that I go to sleep at nighttime. And I need God to be the reason that I do my job the way that I do it. I need to learn how to trust God more. I need to learn how to bring God into my life. I need to recognize God's pursuit of me. I, I need to see him when he's chasing me. And I need to stop and I need to listen. And I, I, I want to know and experience how much God loves me. That's what you're really saying. I want to experience how much God really loves me. Then that's what I'm praying for you right now. God hears your prayer and the sincerity of your heart is very attractive to God. Like a metal to magnet, God zips to you. You go, well, I don't feel anything. This is not about feelings. 
This is about choices. This is about the maturity of making a decision and saying, God is going to be number one in my life. I will consider him before I consider anything else. Now, here's what's funny. The Holy Spirit's going to begin reminding you right now that you prayed this prayer. And every decision you make, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you, is God first or is God second in this decision? And when you're faced with that decision, I want you to have the courage to do the right thing. God, I choose you to be first in my life. I trust you. I trust you. The devil will bring you a counterfeit almost immediately. I'm prophesying to you right now, church, listen to me. The devil will bring you a counterfeit almost immediately, trying to fool you into thinking, oh, this is God. And you're going to have to listen very closely. Is that God or is that the enemy trying to trick me right now? And your safety, Holy Spirit, I want to make God first. Show me right now. Show me right now. I'll do what God wants me to do. And then have the courage to do it and watch what happens in your life. Watch how God will do magnificent things. Watch what God will change. Watch what God will do to bless you. I bless every one of you in this room. I bless you in the place you are in life. I bless you as your pastor. I'm so thankful for you. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm going to be praying about what it means and what we should be doing and what it looks like. Would you guys pray for me? Would you pray for Terry? Would you pray for your pastors right now so that we know what to do? I'm just being honest with you. We're looking at it going, God, you're doing something. How do you want us to respond to this? Pray for us too. And we'll pray for you. Is that a deal? And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This song is about singing these songs to our good God.